Got a bad taste in my mouth out here. Aluminum. Ash. I can smell a psychosphere. Fuck, I don't want to know anything anymore. This is a world where nothing is solved. Someone once told me time is a flat circle. On today's episode of Production Delay, Q and I discuss the 1995 crime thriller Seven. The film is directed by David Fincher and stars Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. The film tells the story of David Mills, a detective who partners with the retiring William Somerset to track down a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as a motif in his murders. Before we get rolling, we have a word from our sponsor, Novice Clothing Company. We're all about supporting local businesses on this show, and I'm blown away by Novice Clothing Company and the original, authentic work being done for athletes of all ages and teams of all sizes. Based in Albany, the Bernardo brothers have lived through playing in uncomfortable athletic gear, too big, too small, too thick, and in upstate New York, not thick enough. Novice Clothing Company doesn't outsource for its apparel, they produce it themselves, ensuring the best apparel possible while cutting out the middleman and saving you money. Parents, coaches, and booster clubs, do what we do here at Procrastination Sports, and let's support local business. Get started at NoviceClothingCompany.com and on Instagram at NoviceClothingCompany and get ready to claim your crown. All right, everybody, sit back and relax. It's time for production delay. Now, I wasn't standing around guarding a Taco Bell, all right? I worked homicide for five years. Not here. I understand that. Well, over the next seven days, detective, you'll do me the favor of remembering that. Welcome back, everybody. Production Delay presented by Procrastination Sports. Today, we'll, we, we will be discussing the 1995 film Seven. It's directed by David Fincher, written by Andrew Kevin Walker, runtime of two hours, seven minutes. That's 127 minutes. Release date, September 22nd, 1995. IMDb gives it an 8.6 out of 10. I think that's our highest rated movie thus far. The budget was $33 million, and it made a whopping $327.3 million. Oscar-nominated... For best film editing for Richard Francis Bruce, they did not win. Again, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow is Tracy Mills, Kevin Spacey is John Doe. That rounds the, up the, the secret. The secret casting of Brad Kevin, Spacey Kevin Spacey is John Doe. Shane, what's up, brother? Nothing. This movie, I have so many conflicting feelings about this movie, especially watching it now with a critical lens, not mm -hmm. necessarily uh, just an entertainment lens. And I'm excited to dive in here because this is going to be this is going to be a good episode. It is going to be a good episode. And I was going to text you today, um, but I wanted to save it to say it here on the show that I love this movie and I also hate this movie so much. Like I hate this movie from start to finish, but I love it. I <laughs> love I to love watch it. it. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think we'll get into that too because I I have some things that are like controversial or not controversial, but they're uh, contradictory. Okay. Which is like that same thing. Like you hate it, but you love it, you know? Do you remember seeing this movie for the first time? Ooh. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I saw this the first time. I mean, I would have been five years old when this came out. So obviously I saw it much later. Um, but I already knew like the end. I'm pretty sure. Cause it's, I feel like this movie is very pop culture ingrained. Like we mentioned on the last episode, What's in the Box. If you know anything about cinema, like you know what What's in the Box is. It's kind of like Luke, right. I am your father. Right. 
it's one of those things where maybe not to that level of pop culture influence, but if you're if you're aware of if you're gonna go in to watch this movie, you're pretty much aware of like what's going on and how it's happening, especially now. So I don't think it hit me like with a big twist at the end as much as somebody who went in totally blind. Um, but uh, I, pro- I probably saw it late high school, early college, if I had to guess. I saw this movie sometime in college, and unlike you, I wasn't aware of the twist at the end. I okay. I knew that that was a phrase from a movie, what's in the box, but I didn't know that it was from this movie. I just saw this mm. movie on Netflix one night. And honestly, if I'm being 100% candid with you, my favorite period of film might be mid to late 90s thriller movies, like all these like over yeah. like hyped, like Along Came a Spider, all those types of movies. I love them. I think they're super entertaining. So mm-hmm. I didn't know how great this movie was when I first watched it. I just thought it was another movie like that, like a Morgan Freeman 90s thriller. So I watched it on Netflix probably back in college when it was on there. And I'll tell you, I don't remember watching anything up until the very end, like the last scene, which we'll talk yeah. about. But I remember just being absolutely floored. Like I thought this was the the, the, the greatest twist I've ever Yeah, and I, the, a, a big thing about this film... Um, is is the third act blows you away. Mm-hmm. But I think, and this might be where we're going here in the looking at it at a critical lens, the first two are not that impressive. Watching it today, I was kind of like lulled a little until you hit the detective, you hit the yeah, gas, and then real. they just hit the gas from there on. But I think you I don't need know. we have a lot of stuff start. to start. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah, that yeah. as we as we as we go through it. Um, I mean, I think the impact of this film, I'll probably say this again, but I think it's the greatest thriller of all time, and I don't even think it's close. Um, I put this at number one. Like I said, those 90s thrillers are my mm. my, are my jam, That's if you will. Yeah, that is my wheelhouse. And this, to me, I've never seen a thriller quite like this. I think mm-hmm. people have tried to replicate it with the big, huge twist at the end. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anybody's ever come close. And we'll talk about for all the reasons that I think as we go through this. But um, that's the impact of the film for me. I don't think it's in the top 10 greatest movies of all time or anything like that. But I think it is one of the greatest thrillers. Like we talked about with Heat being the greatest bank robbing movie of all time. Mm-hmm. This is an even larger category where I think we say, in my opinion, it's probably the greatest thriller I've ever seen. So that's that that that's how big of an impact this movie has made yeah. on me and continues to make on me. And I'll say, it's a movie that I love to watch, like I said. But every time I watch it, I'm insanely uncomfortable and I don't feel good about it. Well, and in my opinion, I've seen one other movie like this, and it was The Joker that just came out, the movie directed by Todd Phillips. This movie, you can make an argument that there's not one happy moment from the start to the finish. Even the scene... That we'll talk about where they're eating dinner together. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of undertones in that scene why it's so upsetting. That's a great scene. I actually wrote down here. That's probably one of my favorite scenes of the entire film. All right. We'll talk about it. You ready this to get is, into it? I think that what you're describing, though, um, <clears throat> is just David Fincher's directing style. He's he awesome. is exceptional at creating that kind of tension in the scene without an actor needing to do it or without... Uh, the music needing to do it or without the script having to say a certain thing and lead you as the audience there. He's just has a directorial style that can create that kind of tension. And I think that's why he's really one of the best. If I had a bet 
this won't be the only David Fincher film we do in the history of this podcast. Oh, I like we're going to do the whole catalog. If yeah, I, I like way too many yeah. of them. So before we get going, let's talk about the seven deadly sins. What are they? If you don't know, because honestly, I don't think I knew them before watching this movie, and I was happy I got refreshed. Uh, in no particular order: lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Those are your seven deadly sins, Shane. Mm. Okay, so. Let's get into it. We'll just start talking about scenes here. Um, the opening, I've talked about this. This is my favorite way to open a movie. No credits, no titles. We're just in. Just you in it, yeah. The mo- there's, a, there's a black screen, and the next thing you see is Morgan Freeman, who is Detective Somerset in this movie. That's the first thing you get before anything, and I love that. Yeah. I thought the first thing on both of them coming on screen, too. I was like, damn, these guys are young here. Mm-hmm. Even though Morgan Freeman's an older guy in this movie, I'm just so used to, like, what is Morgan Freeman now? He's got to be 70-something, right? Like, maybe even I older. I bet he's closer to 80. Probably. Yeah. Do a so, stat check on that quick. And uh, uh, seeing Brad, I was like, oh, my God. Brad's he's a child. Guy. Yeah. I mean, bro, it's 2020. This movie's 25 years old this year. I know. Morgan um, Freeman's 82. Yeah, there you go. The meticulous nature of Somerset is noticeable immediately, and that's right, the first right. thing I picked up on. With the he's got everything laid out. The, yeah. He's got all his stuff laid out. He's got his suit laid out. He's ready to go to work. Um, and then uh, we see a murder that has uh, nothing to do with the outline of the story. It's just Somerset no. going to another Introductory murder. Introductory to how he operates. Yeah. And you can tell his operating style uh like the way he was in his apartment, very meticulous. And I love the line, just look at all the passion on that wall. That's a good line in the movie. Um, Did the kids see it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. All that stuff is interesting as to how he thinks. I, I, you know, again, as we look at films critically, if you, if you made a good movie, a lot of dialogue, there's no dialogue wasted 95% yes. of the time. And in this movie, I would agree with that. Um, so the next thing we get, Somerset meets Mills, who is played by Brad Pitt in this movie. Uh, and the thing you notice right away, they couldn't be more different. One's young, one's older. There's a great exchange of dialogue back and forth, but they're dressed differently. They're just complete mm-hmm. opposites. Yeah, I even wrote down uh, throughout this movie, they really up until the, the dinner scene, they do a great job in showing uh, contrast in just not only how they approach things, but I think like a generational attitude too. Like Brad Pitt is this young, just got promoted, just moved to the city, trying to prove himself guy. He's he's into new ways to look at crime and forensics and stuff. And Morgan Freeman's character or Somerset is just old school. Yeah, he's the definition of old school. And even in the following scene, uh, we see Mills the next morning get ready for work as we did with Somerset in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's Chinese food cartons laid out in the bedroom of him and his wife. He's yeah. wearing a wrinkled shirt, just complete disorganization. And it's again, the total contrast. contrast yeah, yeah. That's like an old movie trick. Like if you don't want to continually say how different they are, you can just show yeah, us. Just and show I don't them. think anybody is really that far apart in real life. Like, <laughs> but, uh, like these, like every, like every buddy cop movie, you know, if there's of there, course there's this glaring difference between the two people, and this movie does that, but they do it in a less uh, in your face type of yeah. way. Yeah, like and I think that's like that. that's part of the director's role there. You know, Fincher does a great job in, I would say, like world building here. 
Mm-hmm. Like immediately you realize that the co- like even before they talk about being paid off, the cops are all scumbags in this movie. Yeah. And it's raining every single day of the week. So it's gloomy, oh, it's dark. They even talk about uh Mills says in the first scene uh when they get to Gluttony is the problem in here is light. There's no light in here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's like that's which is kind of drawing attention to itself, yes, but it's, I think that's a really good job of what they do and just kind of building this world as what we lead into how the characters interact with each other and how they feel apathetic or not towards certain things as we get down the road here. But that's all in the beginning here with that world building that Fincher does so excellently, really. Uh, the first murder, like you said, is gluttony. Um, the two differing styles of Mills and Somerset's approach to work we see very clearly in this scene when they're examining the crime scene. A uh, little fun fact. So the guy that was the char- the actor that was wearing the prosthetics for the obese guy. Yes. It was so heavy that David Fincher decided to do a nice thing and give him a massive um, member, if you will. Ah, there you go. So the following scene, when you see him laying in the corner, so he's got a, the hammer. You, yeah, the hammer. Uh, so that was a fun fact that I did in my research <laughs> earlier. Um, then we get um, introduced to the captain. Who actually yep. isn't really that big of a scumbag compared to all the other cops in this movie. He's one of the seems decent enough guys. Yeah. Um, Somerset Mills and him meet in the office. Uh, Great we're, scene. We're introduced to the captain, and we also see Somerset saying that Mills isn't ready to take on this murder case by himself. He isn't ready. And then he says, I'm right here. You could say that to my fucking face. And he <laughs> says it right away to his face, which I love. But I think that kind of just shows even more so the dichotomy between these two, you know, like, uh, I think Mills says something to the point of like, he's excited, like, Oh yeah, we got a homicide. Like, cause right. he's again, he's that young guy. He wants to prove himself. He wants that a case that's ridiculous and the press will take hold of so that he can not become famous, but build a name for himself, even just within his department. Whereas Somerset is just this guy looking to retire in a week. And he's like, listen, this is just a murder. People are dead. You need to understand that. Like, it's not about you. It's about the victims. So it just keeps further showing more of that dichotomy between the two characters. Well, that's the difference, right? I think that's what they do so great in this movie from start to finish is that Brad Pitt's character, Mills, has this love for the job still. He's still this young guy who's excited about going to work every day. And Somerset has seen it all, literally. And he knows that there is no joy in this job. Whereas Brad Pitt is still filled with joy. Mills is still filled with joy. Mm -hmm. So then the next scene, we get the second murder. Uh, Eli Gould, Gould, excuse me, um, in his office. He's a prominent lawyer in the city. The greed. Uh, We find him dead with uh, greed written in blood on the floor. Um, We then, there's not much to say there, I don't think. Uh, Moving on, Somerset. um, Oh, I, I like this scene. So we flash back to the office and Somerset's doing work. And he tells the guy to stop scraping his name off of the glass. Uh, yeah. Because you can tell, even though he says he wants to retire, uh, he's not bought in completely. And, and I think the captain thinks, kind of discusses that with him. He's like saying, like, what are you going to do? You know, like, right. you, it's, think, it's seeming like it's seemingly what we know at that point in the story is like this guy has no life. He's got no family. Like right. the, his job is his life. So I think his captain, like you said, one of the few decent characters in the film for sure. It's trying to extend just like, hey, man, like, what are you going to do? Like, uh, 
do you need some help? You know, yeah. like he's just curious for his employee, but maybe even a friend. Yeah, they seem to be more friends. They seem to be around the same age. And mm -hmm. uh, there's one line of dialogue where they kind of reference that they've known each other for a while. So I would assume that maybe they came up through the ranks together. Yeah. Uh, but I also think he says the he says it out loud that he's retiring as often as he does, because I think he's trying to convince himself that that's actually what he should be doing. And I don't think he's completely bought in on the fact that he shouldn't stop working. Agreed. And uh, uh, all right. So then we get the discovery that these murders are tied together. Uh, you have an idea that's the case when you see the back to back murders. Um, but the discovery uh, is kind of chilling in a sense that you know that, all right, there's something going on here. Um, and that um, Somerset says, all right, this is pretty much the seven deadly sins. They, yeah. he goes, he goes back to the he goes back, guy, which I and, noticed. This is interesting. You know how you catch yeah, little yeah, things yeah. here and there when he cuts the, like the police line, you know, cause when they put those seals on the doors yeah, to make yeah, sure yeah. nobody goes in or out, that seal is on the inside of the door, which is definitely a movie mix up. Like, yeah, I didn't even notice you know what that. I mean? So and that was... I, I even rewinded it. I was like, wait, he cuts it and then he opens the door. So we're watching from inside the apartment. Like, that's not how it would be sealed. It'd be the other way. It'd be on the outside of the door. So the, yeah, I just it found that, like, unless they, the guy like sealed it up and jumped out a window, you know, like there's no, I guess. Yeah, no, so, you're right. I didn't catch that though. So, um, not so, not yeah. that it means anything for, you know, whatever. It's just, it's cool to find those little, those little yeah, things in film. Um, Somerset goes back there. Uh, realizes that gluttony's written behind the refrigerator door, puts two and two together. He says, oh, shit, this guy is creating the seven deadly sins, pretty much. Um, I'm going to try not to, should we get, I mean, everyone who's watching this has probably seen the movie, right? So, I mean, can we talk spoilers towards the end or no, not yet? Should we I think wait? we can work towards it. I think we can work towards it because we have some other things that we've been talking about that we're okay. working towards. Um, so I'm going to try to avoid spoilers then. Um, I'm going to talk about that. I'll get back to that. All right. So then let's go to Somerset in the library, which I fucking love this whole scene. I love this whole scene. <laughs> um, Air Suite number three in D major by Johann Sebastian Bach is playing uh, the cutbacks between Somerset and Mills, both investigating the case with the security guards playing poker in yep. like, this perfectly lit room in this giant uh, library. It's, it's, it's beautifully done. Yeah. It's a good scene. It's a great scene. And I like, again, it, it's showing uh, the difference in how they work. Correct. Uh, you know, Somerset is so meticulous. He sits down for hours and just reads through this stuff. Whereas, you know, Mills has Dante's Inferno in his car and he reads like three lines and he can't, and he throws it in right. the backseat, you know. Mills so, has got the basketball game on his apartment. He's like eating, yeah. drinking beer during his investigation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't mean one works better than the other, I don't think, because it seems like there's no indication throughout this entire movie that Mills is a bad detective, really. Um, there's some things that he does that Somerset doesn't love, but I think for the most part, Somerset respects Mills's opinion as the movie goes yeah. on. And I think that he also, like, they kind of, in the very beginning, try to establish that while he has not worked in the city with them, he is an established detective coming right. in to work. Five, I think he says five years. Five that, years, yeah. Um, the next, Homicide, too, not yeah, just, right. you know. Uh, Tracy, Mills' wife, brings the two guys together. Um, they go to dinner at Tracy and Mills' apartment. Legitimately, the, 
there's one other scene that I'll mention later with is a, is a breath of decency in this movie. This would be the only other scene that you could get that has a decent feeling to it. And even this scene um, isn't all that great. You can tell that Tracy... There's an like, uncomfortableness about the whole thing. I think, uh, honestly, and I, I know you mentioned this earlier, This so this is where you and I are going to split, maybe. I think the writing in a couple of these scenes is a little awkward. Really? Yeah. I think See, I think it's meant to be awkward. There's like a, there's like a weird, I don't know. It's a str- There's a, I think there's a, an art in writing to get to a point, right? And then when you have that kind of eureka moment when that brings it back, and I think this movie is just trying to do it for that effect, not necessarily to tell the story better. Yeah, I disagree with that. I think it's done in a clever way in this movie. Yeah. I like it. Um, I think. Um, what was I going to say? I think there's a sense of uncomfortable uh, uh, uncomfortability with Tracy uh, from the beginning of the scene. And even though they seem like a happy couple when they're laying in bed together, she seems uncomfortable with some things. She doesn't like being in the city. Um, the fact that the apartment sucks and the subway's overhead and they kind of got sold the bag, a, a bag mm-hmm. of goods on that and they're stuck at this place they hate. Those are all things that even though there's glimpses of nice things with them all laughing together... Um, there's still underlying bullshit pretty much that's yeah yeah young couple that's now living in the big city um but and this it rains is also every this, day apparently yeah it's this seattle is east the scene where you see that mills and somerset are going to be able to work together they stay late yes and, and yes together um and then we get mills and somerset outside of the print lab office um two tired guys with two completely different outlooks on what they are doing, but they're doing it together. And that's kind of the big bonding moment mm-hmm. where you're like, all right, they're in this together. Um, then they get it. Then, then they get a tip that they know where the next murder is going to take place or that they have a suspect. Pretty yeah. much What they think. Um, and the assembling of the SWAT team in that scene is really badass. It's a good job. It's, by Fincher. Yeah. It, it it's, it seems like, it almost hits you in the face as the viewer because everything else has been so slow. And then this hits and the captain's like, all right, full SWAT team. Everybody get together. Let's roll. And you're like, well, there's no ramp up here. We're just going for it. We're going live. Yeah. So like, it kind of like, it kind of like, like, oh, all right, maybe this is an action movie. It's about to start, you know, it kind of jumps you out of your seat a little. Uh, Yeah. You're hundred percent right. And I think that's, you can feel it in that moment because yeah. it's so slow up until that point. And then the music hits and they're all moving. And, it's pretty yeah. intense. Uh, then we get the third murder, which is sloth. Uh, you know, which I is think a wild scene, a wild, wild scene. scene. But I mean, the guy is like emaciated. He's been being like tortured for a year like straight. Drained. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is no bad feeling of this guy. Cause he's apparently like a pedophile, um, mm-hmm. which you find out later in the movie, but um, this is another scene where you see the emotions of Mills and the persistence of Somerset where they're trying to f- kind of figure out what's going on here. And um, it's, I mean, the theme is there throughout the entire movie, but the way that they do it in a not so, like we said, in your face type of way makes this movie to me seem more real than a lot of other cop movies or buddy cop type of yeah. movies. Um so this is the scene. So the photographer starts taking pictures. Mills gets pissed off. Uh, he starts screaming who his name. He, Mills starts saying, you know, 
Detective Mills, M-I-L-L-S. Looks, yeah. Pretty much Look looked me up. Me up. He doesn't care. He just wants – he doesn't care about the press. That's his thing. He right. wants to, you know, get this job done, not be bothered. And obviously it's a phenomenal use of foreshadowing that they do. We'll talk about how this happens at the end. But mm-hmm. if you've seen this movie, which I, I'm saying 95% of you have um, – it's a phenomenal job of foreshadowing without making it obvious. I mean, it's, it's done phenomenally. Uh, then we get one of the most real scenes, like dialogue-driven. There's not a lot of dialogue in this movie, honestly. Um, but there is a scene with substantial dialogue coming up. It's in the diner between Tracy and Somerset. Yes. Uh, I've always said this, and I know she's, I think she's won an Oscar. I think, she, yeah, I'm pretty sure she has, but... Paltrow is a big-time underrated actress, and she's really good in this movie. She's another one of these characters that we've had in Heat, in Drive, and now in Seven, that she's not on screen for probably more than 10 minutes, but when she's on screen, she does a really good job. And she's like exactly what this film needs. We're going to talk about um, casting what-ifs because there's a shit ton in this movie. She does have an Academy Award for Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, exactly. And... um, I couldn't see anyone else doing a better job than the job she does in this movie. She's not on camera enough to be taken seriously for an Oscar, and it's not an Oscar-worthy performance. Yeah, yeah. In what but it she's just good, yeah. Yeah, and Somerset talks about uh, an abortion that him and his girlfriend had, it seems like, 30 years ago or something, mm-hmm. a long time ago, and how he wishes that he made a different choice. Um, and then... Uh, and he kind of offers his, his advice, too. But it's, it's, it's awkward, too, you know, because he's kind of like, I'm not your friend. Right. I'm just a guy that you just met who happens to live here. So the advice that he gives her, he, tell, he tells her, uh, he tells Tracy to not tell Mills that she's pregnant if she's no going to choose to have an abortion. Yes. But if she uh, wants to have it, then spoil the shit out of that kid. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about this later. But um, this is one of the things that I noticed Mm -hmm. that is kind of was eye opening for me. And I'm hoping you didn't catch up on it, but maybe you did. But we'll talk about it later. It's all right. Uh, Somerset then warns Mills to not call John Doe a lunatic. He's of of high superior intelligence and he just uses it for murder. But he's not like a dumb animal. He is. Yeah, yeah. This guy is methodical. Right. He's an intelligent person who just happens to be a psycho. Um, oh, side note, I love the way Brad Pitt chews gum in this movie. Like, it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, nobody eats like Brad Pitt. Come on. He's one he, of the best eating actors of all time. Well, I think, like, I, I actually noticed that in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, not to get off topic, but I think he's aware of, like, the internet memes now, and I think he just plays into it. But um, yeah. I'm pretty sure in Ocean's he, Eleven, he's eating in every scene. Yeah, the way he chews gum in this movie, if you didn't catch it, go back and just check this scene. when Great, great mouth on that guy. Yeah, phenomenal mouth. <laughs> um, so then we get the pizza scene. They're eating pizza, and um, there's this premise of a flag book. Pretty much, it, he, uh, Somerset tells Mills, you know, if somebody takes out a book about nuclear weapons or Mein Kampf or one of these um, anti-American type books, it gets flagged by the FBI. And it's uh, now, I, now I'm pretty sure I did some research, and with the Patriot Act, like I think you can get any information of anybody that checks out any book. So I don't think it matters anymore. But at the time. You didn't have that information. So Somerset pays off an FBI guy to go get the information uh, of people that have checked out certain books. It's so facto. They get a couple of addresses. One seems to stick out. They go to John Doe's apartment. And this scene is incredible. But 
Somerset and Mills are standing at the door waiting to knock on the door, and you get this long shot of the hallway with John Doe mm-hmm. carrying groceries. It looks like he's going to go reach for his keys. He pulls a gun and starts shooting at Somerset and Mills, and then we get this chase scene. Pretty chase much. scene that's awesome. crazy. Yeah, through the apartment building, into an alleyway, into the pouring rain again because it rains every day in this world. Yes. Um, but so then uh, John Doe, catches up with Mill or Mills kind of loses John Doe. John Doe kind of flanks him, comes from behind, hits him over the head, pulls a gun to his head, and then leaves him there. Kind of the yeah, kind of lets him know that he had him, but he could have killed him to not. Yes. Um then they go back upstairs. Somerset They're- useless in that scene, by the way. Well, he's an old guy. He can't. I know, run. I know. But yeah. it would be like if you and I were chasing somebody, like I'm fat and slow. <laughs> you would be like on their tail and I'd show yeah. up eventually. And I'd get uh, my head blown off. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, the shot. Um, uh, then we get. See, this is a scene that I never picked up on before, but it shows that Mills isn't all just like firepower and craziness. He actually has some detective wit, whether it be, um, you know, um, on the up and up or not. It isn't, but whatever. He, they're trying to catch a murderer, so he uh, yeah. gives the homeless lady money to give a statement of how. Yep. They'll have probable cause to enter his apartment because this guy was looking creepy. She called the cops, which isn't true. That's how they ended up at the apartment. Um, so then they go into John Doe's apartment. And, man, I love this. Like, the, the, the apartment is set up perfectly. Um, the one thing I'll knock this movie for, which not only this movie, but so many movies do, like, we're, we're expected to believe that John Doe has, like, zero money whatsoever. His apartment is trash, but it's huge. So, like, if it's somebody, huge. like, like... I never understand that. I I also found it a little awkward, I guess might be the right word, that he would – he's seemingly this very methodical type A intelligent guy, but then he just lives in all of this mess. Like I think he would live in more of like a Somersets type thing where he's very organized. And I don't know. I felt a little – I felt that that might have been a little weird. You see him as more of a Hannibal Lecter type, like living in like – like very like meticulous in every way possible, kind of yeah. like a Dr. Electric. Because of everything else. It's, yeah, I no. mean, everything else that we know about him, obviously, like I don't, I didn't write the story. You know, I don't know what the character background is, but I just like, I always find that interesting. They do this a lot in movies though, where like somebody has, you know, an apartment in Queens and it's huge. Well, and you're Friends like, okay. is the perfect example of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like they're all like waitresses and like, like like Rachel and Monica are in like food service. Phoebe doesn't have a job, and, and they then all the guys are just like working like walk-ups in city jobs. Manhattan. Yeah. yeah, they have like three bedroom apartments in Manhattan. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So, um, um, then Somerset starts to read the journals. Um, yes, and he says a great line. He says it's just his mind poured out on the paper. Like nothing makes sense of this yeah. guy. So that to me though. Like to your point, I get what you're saying that he should live meticulously, but I'm not I think- meticulously. I'm not saying like you know pristine white countertops and like everything has its place, but just to be that trashed kind of like threw me off a little. To me, but I could also see it being as like how brilliantly insane this perfect this like person is. Like it makes no sense that he's like wearing the overcoat and the nice top hat and carrying the groceries into the crazy apartment that doesn't look like anything could be cooked in that apartment. Like, yeah. So maybe it's just this guy is just all over the place. Yes, he's meticulously in the way that he kills people, but he's, all, but he's not there because it's, it, it's, it's not all adding up. 
Because why mm-hmm. does he dress so nicely, like in the in the long trench coat and the nice top hat? But then you go into his apartment and it's a complete disaster. But inside the apartment, he's got all his clothes and like dry cleaning bags. But everything yeah. else is all over the place. Like it's one of those things that I. Well, I, I think that kind of shows maybe, or that what that's trying to tell is to the outside world he fits in, but when yeah. he gets back home to his own thing, I don't know. I just. For See, me, to me, I, was I just think like, that's yeah. what it's trying to say. I think you answered your own question in a sense. Like, if you saw that guy, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, look at this freak." Like, I understand what they're trying to say there with that messaging, but I just think maybe it was a little too far for me, at least. No, that makes sense. I could see that, but I, 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 I kind of look at it in the other way that he's meticulous in some ways, but also all over the place. But no, I get what you're saying. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, then we get the call from John Doe. Uh, that confirms he has more to do that he's not done killing and he plans to continue to kill and like he's like all right come get me like let's mm-hmm. let's do this all right fourth murder lust oh, man i i i despise this scene not from like it's done poorly but it's just extremely difficult to watch uh this is great acting though in the interrogation scene um yeah the guy the who they get leland, uh his name is leland orser he's a great character actor he's been in this He's been in Taken. He's been in Saving Private Ryan, Alien Resurrection. He's like one of these like like just a character like, actor. Yeah, just kind yeah. of like ancillary character, but he's good. He's really good in this, and he's I read phenomenal in this scene. So for the for a half hour before the scene took place, he started to breathe in and out extremely heavy, so he could hyperventilate whenever he wanted, and he didn't mm-hmm. sleep for for three days before they shot the scene. Just Man. and he's in and he's in the movie for two minutes. Yeah, and he uh, brings the heat for two minutes. But just the, He's thought of, just the thought of that act of like killing someone that way. Yeah, oh uh, my god, it's awful. It's yeah. the worst. It's the worst kill in this entire movie. It's horrible. Uh, so then the next scene, they're talking after they inter- after they interrogate this guy, Somerset and Mills, and never caught this before. But Somerset Somerset knows all in this movie. He's like the he's like the tell all guy throughout the entire movie. He can see everything coming a mile away. And he foreshadows again and just says, I, like, Mills is all pumped up. He's like, we're going to get this guy. We're going to get this guy. And Somerset just says pretty much, even if we do get this guy, this isn't going to have a happy ending. I'm just here to tell you. Like, he yeah. foreshadows to a point to where you don't even catch it. But if you've seen this movie enough, you're like, oh, like, look at, like, he's telling you how this is going to Once gonna again, end. yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Um, then we get, quickly, we get Somerset throwing the switchblades into the dartboard. What I picked up on this scene is that he has to walk back and get it each time he throws it again. It just showcases Somerset's poise, his personality, and how like he doesn't like rush. He's just very, mm-hmm. very even keel. So he throws the knife or the switchblade, walks grabs over it to out it, of the board, grabs walks it back calmly. Yeah. yeah, it's just throws very it bullish. again, bullseye. Yeah, and I never picked up on that before, but then I'm watching it with more of like a critical lens. I'm like. See, this isn't just put in here for shits and giggles. This is put in here to show you that this guy just is calm 24-7. Even Even though he can't sleep and there's murders running amok and all this is happening. And, you know, I feel like as the viewer, you're more on Mill's side. You're a little more emotional. You're a little more up and down, especially following that murder. You're a little, you know, disgusted, too. That movie, yeah, it's so uneasy, dude. So just having Somerset just... Still even keel, still playing it cool. That's a big thing, you know. It's 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 a good thing for his character development. That scene. Um. Okay, then we get the fifth murder, Pride. Uh, 
um, pretty much it's assumed that the murderer, John Doe, gave her an opportunity here. You can either call for help, but I'm going to cut off your face. You, yeah. Or you can put yourself out of misery by taking all these pills. And he cuts off her nose to literally spite her face. She yes. chooses to kill herself, apparently, rather than live uh, disfigured, which is hence pride. Mm. Uh, and here we go. So we get a flash to the police station. Somerset and Mills uh, are walking. They're having a discussion. Somerset tells Mills, I'm staying on until this case is finished. Mills seems appreciative of that. And I think at this moment, they want to kind of start a partnership. Maybe yeah. for not only this case, but maybe after. Because Somerset now is continually like saying, like, maybe I won't retire. Like, uh, now I'm kind of on the fence. And I think yeah. Mills and him are starting to have a bond. Um, and then we see a cab pull up. We see some feet. You don't know what's going on. Someone walks in and we get the iconic. Detective. Yeah, detective. 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 And it's just. I believe you're looking for me. It's just. Look, let's let's say this now and get it out of the way. Kevin Spacey has turned himself into a complete creep, apparently, and is like a complete and utter weirdo. Um, but he's a phenomenal actor. If you I... can separate the two. Yes. He is an unbelievable actor. So <laughs> I even wrote this down, and this is something I wanted to discuss maybe at the end as like a sure. as a wrap-up, sure. but I'll just go here. I don't think that Pitt is like come into his own by the time of this filming of this movie yet. I think he's I, still a, a young, hot guy who has some decent chops, but he's not the Brad Pitt that we know today who is an Oscar winner. See, again, with I, I think I... This, I, I agree with you that he's not an Oscar winner just yet, but this is the movie that shows, yeah, this guy's an actor. Like, he's not the guy from Legends of the Fall with his shirt off for two and a half hours. This guy's an actor. And I think... Yeah, so I think... This, I don't know. I think he's still... I think he's still developing here. I don't man, think, I think he's, he's very good in just this yet. Movie. And then, I think he's uh, very good in this movie. I think that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's phenomenal in her couple scenes. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman, I don't know if he's... Uh, I don't know. Like, something about... So, something about Spacey appearing to me was just like, oh shit, he can act. Everybody else in this movie's garbage. Um, and it, I don't know if don't maybe he's that, just that level. But from that scene on, when we've got Spacey in pretty much like every other scene from that point on in the movie, I'm just going, oh my god, this guy's this guy's incredible. He's blowing everybody else away. That's how I felt. Well, I think he has the most to play off of. I think he has the opportunity to seem like a crazy person. So there's a lot to play off of there as an actor. I mean, I honestly think he's the best actor of the three, even though what he is now is a, is irrelevant oh, yeah, to his yeah, acting yeah. ability. But I still think he's a better actor than Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Anyway, yeah, Spacey, I, I would agree with that. I've seen Kevin Spacey do four movie performances where I'm just like, whoa, what is that? I mean, like American Beauty, this, The Usual Suspects how good he was in House of Cards. I mean, he's a phenomenal actor, so it doesn't shock me that if you think he's the best guy on screen, he probably Yeah, is. I'm not uh, surprised by that at Glenn all, but I, I just felt like it was like... I just felt almost kind of... I don't want to say blown away, because that's not the right... But just in terms of the gap, the gap was it was concerning to me. That's See, how I, I disagree felt. with the gap, but I think that this scene is as wild and powerful and like, oh shit, as they come in movie history. Like, yeah, because awesome. up until this point, you have no idea who John Doe is. And no not idea. movies do that. Yeah. Like, and there's then, a they're, then they're like, hey, 
It's an Oscar winner. Right. Check it out. And, like, even if you had an idea that it's the photographer that did it, which the first time I don't think I did. No and, like, way. Nobody. I was like, oh, the photographer's the murderer. Now well, that's you, now that's that, now that's not, that's not even. I don't think there's any foreshadowing for that in that photography scene. I do, and you and, do, and we'll talk about it later. But at the end, we'll talk about it. But um, even then, even if you knew, like, oh, the photographer's the guy, which I'm sure one or two people figured out, but you don't know it's an Oscar winner that's going to. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, like it's crazy. Um, okay, so here's the other decent scene in the movie. So they are, so they arrest John Doe. And Mills and Somerset are shaving to put the wires on so that they yes. can transport this guy to where he wants to go and show him the final two bodies. And they start laughing together when shaving. Uh, my question to you, I don't know if you picked up on it, but Mills gets very emotional and he like starts to cry and then he like walks off camera and Somerset's kind of like, what just happened there? And I don't know. So I have two theories on this. Is he sad that Somerset is retiring and he has to take on all this bullshit in this world by himself? Or does he maybe have a feeling that something is is very wrong here with where they're going with this guy? Oh, I don't know. I think because uh, the scene right before that, actually, I liked a lot. And I think it's the payoff of all the world building like I was talking about earlier. The scene before mm. that when they're talking to his lawyer yeah. with the police chief and was a da i think the is DA, there yeah. too yeah, yeah. that scene kind of just that's the payoff for all of the crooked cops the people they paid off it's raining all the time like all this world building that they did early on that said this is a shitty place and then finally when presented with this very obvious thing that you should not do they do it because so you think that's what it is and i now that now that you say that I actually agree with you. Yeah. It's just a culmination of all the shit they've put up with to get this all guy. the shit they put up with. And like now it's, you know, he's just kind of like maybe not necessarily concerned for an individual thing to happen or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just it's like Morgan Freeman tells uh, like, uh, sorry, Somerset tells Tracy in the diner like this is not a good place. Yeah, it's a and they talk place. about this at the bar, too. When, mm -hmm. when they go to the bar together, they talk about how, and I mean, Mills even says what you said earlier about Somerset in that scene. He says, like, I don't think you want to retire because you believe those things. You want to believe those things because you're retiring. Yeah. And it's kind of just, all of this kind of comes together. Like, oh my God, this world is so fucked up right. that, that this kind of stuff is allowed to happen without the blink of an eye. And really... In the scene following that, in the car, that is John Doe's whole spiel to them. Yeah. So, it, like, I think there's a really good job right there in those, like, kind of scenes back to back of, like, bringing everything that we saw come together right here now. Okay. Which is why I, I think Act 3 is so good in this movie because, like, that kind of kicks off Act 3 and then you go into, like, the thriller part of the movie. So then we get, and I agree with you with all that. Uh, you make a good point, I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned it because it was confusing to me, but now I see where they were going with it. So then we get the next scene. Um, Mills, uh, Mills and Somerset are transporting John Doe uh, to the location where he can reveal the bodies, uh, the two remaining bodies, uh, six and seven, uh, deadly sin. Um, Wrath and envy. 
we get a great shot of the car and helicopter. The rear view mirror shot of John Doe is very well done. Um, Mill that says, scene of the three of them in the car is awesome. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great. And pen. that's another thing I wrote down. Kevin Spacey is crushing everyone in the acting department. <laughs> I wrote that down. During yeah, that he's scene. awesome in that scene. And he's, and Mill says to John Doe, uh, in months, uh, nobody will care about this or you. Um, pretty much foreshadowing that someone is going to care about yes. John Doe in this, in, the, in this car by the end of the movie. Um, Mills is trying to insult John Doe, and Somerset continually is trying to discuss why he does what he has done. John Doe, it just goes back to the point that Somerset has been trying to tell Mills from the beginning to not underestimate this guy and think of this guy as a complete like creature. He's actually yeah. an insanely intelligent person that chooses to kill people yeah. instead of creating an atom or splitting the atom. Like, yeah, that's Creating right. good in the world. Right. Um, then, uh, you know, this is wild. And this is why he's a great actor. This is why I think this movie is written so well. And the scene where John Doe pretty much says, like, you think all the people that I killed were innocent? Like, let me tell you why they runs not down, innocent. yeah. Like, and that goes back to what we just kind of discussed about how this world is just so apathetic to everything. Right. And he says pretty much, he's like, I killed a woman that would rather die than not have a beautiful face. Um, I killed this hooker that was spreading diseases. I killed this mm -hmm. lawyer who put rapists and murderers back on the street. I killed this guy that couldn't stop eating and had no self-control and was a complete like, you know, and then the other guy, he says, you know, this guy was a pedophile. So who of these people did I kill that like is innocent in your mm -hmm. mind? And it pretty much, even though well, that's what makes a great antagonist in any right. story. He has his own justification. And even though these people didn't deserve to die, Mm. you start to think like, oh shit, none of us are actually innocent in anything. Like we all have some type of guilt about anything, um, which is the, pretty much the whole idea of this, of this movie. And even the guys that are perceived to be the good guys have been doing shady shit, like paying mm -hmm. people off in order yeah. to get shit done. Breaking into that apartment without, yeah, exactly. Right. All this stuff. So then the tension is remarkable. They get out of the car and you see a dead dog and, John Doe just says, I didn't do that. Like, it's just like, it's just perfect. Like the way he delivers yeah. the line and it's just like, he thinks he's being funny. Like, he's like, haha, like I didn't do that. Like, but it's just creating more of this tension. Like what's yeah. going on? Why are we in this desert or why are we overlooking the mountains? What's going on here? Um, so then uh, I don't care if you've never seen this movie or even if you have, you can't sit still during the scene. Like I was standing up, I was like moving around. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what's going to happen? I've seen it 10 times. Uh, then we get the cutbacks from the van. Um, so then we get a van approaching. And now you start to see, oh, this is why we're here. Yeah, like, there's what's a plan in this, and action here. Something's going what's on. What's in this van? Is like yeah. a bunch of guys going to come out and free John Doe? Is the van going to blow up? What's yeah, going we don't on know. with the van? What, why is this van coming? And uh, the you get the cutbacks from the van. And Somerset's running towards the van. You get the cutback to Mills, who's still with John Doe. You get the SWAT team overhead. Mm -hmm. and the, the tension just continuing to build. Continuing Again, to Fincher build. just killing it without saying anything, without, uh, you Nothing know, putting a huge score on that's attention-driven. You know, everything is just I like the, the situation. Score movie, though. I think the score is good in this movie. It's subtle, but it's very good. Um, 
and then you get the iconic moment, the, um, the delivery guy. There's a delivery guy. He pulls out a box. Somerset figures out that this guy's legit. He's literally just a delivery guy yeah. dropping a package. Which happens a little quickly. Yeah, but, but I, I do realize it, that we're at, like. But I think it has to. I mean, we can't have. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the tension, the tension is building. Quickly. Yeah, so you have to have a payoff. And he actually, I mean, he grabs his ID and looks at it and says, get the hell out of here. And the guy runs off. So, I mean. Yeah. It's, it isn't like he just assumed this was a delivery driver. It looks like he did. And we don't know exactly what's said because we're getting cut back and yeah, forth. Yeah. Back and forth. Um, and then uh, Somerset is shocked by the contents of the package. Um, of course. Uh, hold on. And then he pretty much tells Brad Pitt to, or Mills to put his gun down and starts running towards him. He starts running towards him and immediately says, put your gun down or throw the gun away or something like that. Cause he yeah. knows the but reactionary. I, I, like I know in that moment, like, I don't know how you react, but Somerset does a horrible job. Like he could have just went and been like, Oh, there's nothing in the box. Well, this is interesting because I think, uh, it's a decent, I, it, it, it this is showing the first time that Somerset reacts emotionally to something. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, I think like in that moment, we're all going to react. Yes. And like the whole that. movie, he's been, you know, zoned in because he is uh, kind of separated from all this stuff. Like it is still is his work, so to speak. But this was now his new friend. Right. And it's personal. And then he re reacts emotionally. But I think also like it doesn't click until he starts running towards Mills. Because even when he opens the box, right? Yeah. His reaction isn't like insane. He's just like, <gasps> Like yeah. that's all he like that's all he does like yeah and then you get Brad Pitt start to scream what's in the box the box <laughs> what's in the it's, box and, and here's a great scene um with Pitt's acting here I yeah. think this is when Dude, he's is holding the gun up and then like crying and looking away and then holding it up again that is some seriously good acting and I think that's kind of you know what we saw. Yeah. But like obviously this guy's got chops. He can like he could be something. But it's only one scene of that whole movie. Like most of it I'm just feeling like he's just he's just a guy. See, I love this cuz usually you and me are on the same page like we were with Drive and Heat, but like yeah. I I completely view this completely different. I think it's like it's nowhere near the performance of like Pacino in The Godfather like where he's building this character, but I think oh, that's what no. Pitt's doing. But, like, the same idea. This is what I'm trying to convey to you. That it's like a build-up to this point to where he explodes. Like, it's like, it's, there's nothing, there's not much substance in the beginning. And I think that's on purpose, like, with the dialogue that he's given. But by the end of this movie, it's been slowly building. He's crying when shaving with Somerset, and now he's just an emotional case because what's in the box? His wife's head's in the box. His wife's severed head. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Her pretty little head. <laughs> Uh, okay so so here's so, in classic mills fashion he yeah. kills john doe yeah because he knew that john doe wanted that to happen and they become the two sins themselves right wrath um and, what is it envy. wrath and envy yes uh so that's it so that's pretty much how the movie ends and, and that's really yeah uh, they put mills in a cop car that night assumingly when they get back to the city okay so i have like four like moments okay. for you i think here that talk, i want to go through. talk to me number four is this right here i think um when the when the when the captain is there with somerset when mills is in the back of the car and he says we will take care of him so 
I think that that means that they're either going to send him to a mental institution or they're all going to get on the same page. They're going to undo those handcuffs on John Doe and say that he made a lunge at Mills and tried to take his gun, and that's why Mills shot him. Whether Mills goes along with that story, but mm-hmm. by they didn't have to put that in there. By saying we will take care of him, it means that he's going to be okay, whether it's in a mental house or yeah. whether he's going to get off on this on, and somehow. And also, he asked Somerset, what, where, what's going on? Where are you going to be? And Somerset says, around. I'll be around, yeah. It means he's not retiring. He's not done being a detective. He's got nothing else to do. Yeah. Uh, so that was my one takeaway there. And then a great ending quote that ends the movie completely is uh, Ernest Hemingway quote, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. And Somerset says, I, I agree with the second part. The second okay. part, yeah. So now I'm going to give you my three kind of things that I caught on that I think are a little bit might be news to you, and I'll let you know what you think, okay? Mm-hmm. Number one, right, be, right after what's in the box, while that's happening, um, John Doe tells him that he paid for the information to find out where Tracy lives, right? To where they live. Yes, and he says, he says that, again, part of that, like, this whole world is shit. He was like, it was easy to pay off the cops. I it, think or easy to pay off the press, I think. Right? No, the press? he says people in your precinct, like his, yeah, like, okay. yeah, like yeah. his co-workers. I think it's complete bullshit. I think he says that to Mills for two reasons. So he got Mills's name from, from being the photographer. Right. And there's no other reason for that dialogue to be put in, for Mills to be like, Mills, M-I-L-L-S. When you watch this movie back, it's very obvious that he's giving him his name for him to use later down the road. In this case, to kill his wife. John Doe tells him that it was easy to pay off fellow cops because he knows how much Mills loves this job. And not only did he kill his wife, he also now put this idea in his head that his friends and his coworkers gave money to find out where he lived. And now he has no connection to that job whatsoever. He took away the two things he loved most, his wife and his job, all by one, killing his wife, and the second, by saying he paid people off. Mm, Okay, That's, That's my theory on that. Because I just don't think the whole photographer scene, like him spelling his name out, is there for any other reason other than for him to yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's obviously foreshadowing it. Uh, what else did I have? Uh, okay, so here's my big one. Okay, you ready for this? Maybe on, I'm an idiot and I never caught on to this, but I. So in the diner with Somerset and Tracy, okay? Mm-hmm. Somerset tells Tracy to not tell Mills that she's pregnant if she chooses to have an abortion. Okay. Correct. So here's what I'm assuming. That Brad Pitt is so shocked. Mills is so shocked to know, to not know that he, that Tracy was pregnant because she planned on having an abortion the entire time. And then when John Doe got there to kill her and he said that she was pleading for the life of her unborn child in that moment, Tracy decided that she wanted to keep her baby and that makes that moment even more heartbreaking and the killing of his wife is even more sad because she was going to have this abortion, but then she was, she had this maniac in her house and she decided in that moment that she really wanted to live and have this yeah. child. And to me, I never caught up on that before. Like I thought maybe she was waiting to tell Mills like a, like at a nice time. But the fact of the matter is, the line from Somerset means that she wasn't going to tell him because she planned on having an abortion because 
she wasn't sold on bringing a kid into this shitty world that, that yeah would... and i th- i think that there's like that's kind of what the diner scene is where right and i never caught up on that they say like i think she was definitely going to have an abortion until the diner scene and somerset kind of changes her mind see i i viewed it in the way that she was undecided going to the diner and then because of the fact we find out that she never told her husband she was going to have the abortion. And up until the moment where she starts pleading for the life of her baby, that she decides she's going to have it. Hence why Brad Pitt has no idea that they're having a child. Mm. That was my, for the first time, that's the way I, I, I view it now. Um, all right, but that's seven. So let's go to Did You Know. You ready for some Did You Know, Shane? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Although the name of the city that the film takes place in is never named, uh, the director, David Fincher, says it's supposed to be Los Angeles. It's supposed to be a very dreary Los Angeles. Really? That's interesting because she does say we were living upstate. So I assumed it was New York. So did I for the longest time. But I guess upstate could mean Northern California. Also, it never Uh, rains in California. So that's also not believable. Well, in L.A. at least. But I think that's kind of supposed to be another reason. And there is a reason why it always rained. Uh, And that's my next did you know. Uh, Fincher said it is raining throughout the majority of the film for two reasons. It was to convey the bleakness of the entire film um, and situation that the characters are facing. And also to portray Los Angeles. If they did get bad weather, they didn't have to stop filming. So they just said, let's make it rain nonstop. (laughs) So it's a production benefit too. Mm -hmm. That's hilarious. Um, oh, and that's another thing that I think they do a great job of with the amb- like the ambiguity of the entire not knowing what city we're in. If you've noticed, a lot of the characters in the movie all have different accents. Ah, interesting. Um, Andrew Kevin Walker, the screenwriter, had a very hard time getting a studio to buy the rights to his script because he was a complete unknown in Hollywood. Um, allegedly he put together a list of agents that represented writers that work in the crime and thriller genre and called each one of them personally until he got a positive response. This was his first screenplay to get made. Wow. That's awesome. All of John Doe's books were real books written for the film. They took two months to, to complete and cost $15,000. According to Morgan Freeman's character in the movie, two months is about the time it would take the police to read all the books. Jeez. Uh, Brad Pitt actually fell while filming the scene in which Mills chases John Doe in the rain. Pitt's Mm -hmm. arm went through a car windshield requiring surgery. Uh, The accident was worked into the script. Coincidentally, the original script called for Detective Mills to be injured during the sequence. But if you look at early shots from the movie, uh, Pitt's left arm is always uh, not so visible and tucked tucked away because it was actually broken. And they had to go back and film those scenes. Uh, Howard Shue scored the movie. He also scored Silence of the Lambs. If you listen to it, you can probably pick up on it. Uh, Kevin Spacey was cast two days before the movies began filming. (laughs) And he Uh, knocks it out of the park. Just kills it. Just kills Uh, it. The producers intended that Kevin Spacey should receive top billing at the start of the movie, but he insisted that his name not appear in the opening credits so as to surprise the audience audience with the identity of the killer to compensate. Love when movies do this, by the way. I love when movies do this. To compensate, he is listed twice in the closing credits, once before the credits start rolling and once in the rolling credits in order of appearance. Another advantage from Spacey's point of view, as he saw it, was that he was excluded from the film's marketing during its release, meaning he didn't have to make any public appearances or do any interviews. (laughs) 
Uh, the apartment number for Mills and Tracy is 5A. The fifth deadly sin is wrath, which is the sin that Mills commits at the climax of the film. Love that kind of stuff. All right. You ready for some what ifs? This is right up. This is this is Q's wheelhouse. I love this. All movie. right. This is going to be some crazy shit. The original casting choices for Mills and Somerset were Denzel Washington and Al Pacino. Both Washington and Pacino turned down the roles. They regretted their decisions after seeing the screening of the film. Ready for my hot take? This yeah. movie's better with Pacino and 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 uh, Denzel. I sign up. I sign up for that movie. Uh, like, yes. Right I now, mean, I sign up. For come that on, movie. come on, dude. And we get like '90s like Pacino giving all of Somerset's like casual lines with like, "Hooah!" Like at the end, like, <laughs> like how great would that be? And like, young Denzel just fucking killing it. Like, yeah, yeah, dude. That would like, be awesome. Of, that would think be about awesome. The scene we did at the beginning of the show where Somerset's well, like. Over yeah. the next seven days, detective, you'll do me the favor of remembering that. Like Pacino would be like, "You'll do the favor of remembering that." Like yelling at him, like it would be way better. It would be fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would Denzel, say that. Like, movie. That sounds awesome. I mean, Denzel's the best. Come on, dude. Denzel and Pacino together. <laughs> Good lord, that movie would have been incredible. Uh, after Washington turned down the role, it was offered to Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Sly. Slide turned it down as well and has said that it's one of the biggest regrets of his career. I can't That's, see that. I can't see that, no. Just because I, I... I think this movie works. It's like, it's like, it's good. It's fine. It's, you know, everybody cast is legitimate. But yeah, if it was Denzel, I mean, come on. So then think Pacino. about it. He would get Al Pacino and Sly together, which makes it kind of a weird... That's a weird dynamic. And I think yeah. Morgan Freeman and... But it's not like, it's not like, okay, so when we, like the past two movies we reviewed, like Gosling is one of the few guys I think that could have pulled that role off. Uh, Obviously Pacino and De Niro are incredible. And if those movies were made with the other actors, I don't think it lands as well. I think this movie could have been just as good with a different set of actors. I think it could have been. As long as Spacey is still John Doe. If we, if we get nine, so think about this. It would be Pacino during Heat, pretty much. That's what he yeah. would look like. And we get Denzel, like, like looking pre like training day Denzel. Yeah. Think like about Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Phil, yeah, like yeah. Philadelphia Denzel. My God. That would be so hot. <laughs> I'd Dude. watch that movie today if they made it now. Oh, I hope like they do. 85 year old Pacino and like 50. Denzel is. I, I don't even... see that movie though with Sly and Morgan Freeman or Sly. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Uh, Guillermo... 65. Damn. Who? Denzel. He's 65? Guy looks incredible. He looks like he's 48. I know. Guillermo <laughs> del Toro it. turned down the offer to direct the movie. Interesting. I like him a lot. I think it would have been a very different film. I don't know if it would have been better or worse. It would have been very different. Fincher, all of Fincher's movies have the same exact tone for me as a viewer to me and this i love it i love fincher and it's such a fincher movie and i love him i think he's one of the probably one of the best directors of his generation yeah i, um, I don't i don't want to see anybody else direct this movie this is a yeah. perfectly creepy fincher movie like yes. i yes. like it an alternate ending revealed that john doe did not murder mills's wife only substituting a lookalike Mills then has no justification for killing an unarmed man and will spend the rest of his life in jail. Somerset decides not to retire and instead gives his country house to Mills's wife and her unborn baby. Interesting. Uh, I like this one better. Uh, because I one? think... The alternate I, ending? No, no, no. Uh, 
Sorry, the, I like the how it actually plays yeah, out yeah, better. Yeah, I do too. I do. The alternate one, I mean, that's fine, I guess, but it also removes, uh, it kind of removes John Doe from being the envy. It doesn't right. really give him that. Well, I guess he could still be envious. Of, yeah, yeah, of, it hits harder. Mills, with this but he does though. go yeah. the yeah. It hits way harder. You're right, a hundred percent. Oh, here's another one. The production company told Fincher to change the ending to have Mills's dog's head in the box, not Tracy's. Brad God. Pitt refused to make the film if the ending was changed. Thank God. Yeah. Then it makes just like, like John Doe, like you've been killing all these people, but then you were afraid to kill Mills's wife. Like it doesn't, it makes. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It softens the blow, but it takes away from the, how yeah. great this movie is. Unfortunately, like, look, at that ending makes me sick to my stomach, but like. It has to happen like that in order for John Doe to be the complete monster the that, he that he is. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know what's crazy about John Doe in this movie? And I'm actually glad. This is kind of the podcast we envisioned, kind of this long form. I, I fucking love this movie. I could talk about it all day. But John Doe is probably one of the most prolific and greatest serial killers in movie history. And you don't see him kill anybody. Yeah, just crushing it's it. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. But like every other great killer in movie history you see them murder their victims at some point. It's more like... Um, Lecter, you don't see it. Yeah, because it's more like the buildup of who they are and what they have done rather than seeing yeah. them do it. Uh, Kevin Costner and Nicolas Cage were briefly considered for the role of Mills, but were not offered the part. I, could, I, I don't like Nicolas Cage as an actor, but Kevin Costner, I think, would have been very good in this role. I thought he would be... He would, he would be yeah, he would have he been fine, yeah. A little older than Pitt, though, right? Right, yeah. It would have been, yeah. It Maybe not, though. Maybe not that much. Nah, I think he is. Maybe like, a little, yeah. I think, like, I like, I really like the fact that Pitt is so young. I think, like, I think helps. that works. That where it helps a lot. Um, Gene Hackman, phenomenal actor. I thought, turned down the role of Somerset because of too many night shoots. He didn't want to wake up at night and film the movie. Interesting. Only reason he didn't say yes to it. He said he liked the script, but he didn't want to do night shoots. Uh, I think he would be great in this movie. I think he would have been able to fill that role. Yeah, he would have done it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, that's, a, that's kind of like going back to what we said earlier. Like, I think this movie could have had some changing in cast. With the oddly enough, I might be able to see. I think Sly is too old to play Mills. But like, yeah. I could see like a Gene Hackman, Sylvester Stallone pairing that maybe works. That could be the only pairing that I see maybe I could get behind. But again, I don't think it's a better movie. But Gene Hackman would have been okay. Yeah. Uh, Robert Duvall was offered the role of Somerset, but turned it down. Look, I love Robert Duvall, but um, I don't know if this part works for him. I, I, don't, I don't know if it yeah. works. What do you think about that one? I don't know. I feel like, yeah, he's, he's more of a... I can't see Duvall being that kind of separated type character from yeah you know i don't know i don't think it works as I, don't, much. I, don't I don't think it, it works, works either christina applegate turned down the role of tracy i think paltrow is awesome so i, I yeah, don't really need great. to see anybody else in that role harrison ford was considered for the role of somerset but was never offered the part uh i love harrison ford i yeah. think i think he's too young at in 95 to play Somerset. Like, I think he's got to be a little older, right? Yeah. Maybe not. I guess he's the same age as, as, a, as a Pacino. So if I like Pacino, I guess I have to like Harrison yeah. Ford. Um, but no, I don't know. 
Harrison Ford, maybe, but it, I could see Harrison Ford with Brad Pitt. I think that would have been a kind of a cool team up at the yeah. time. Uh, the last one we have for what ifs, Morgan Freeman remembers the original ending as having Somerset shoot John Doe instead of Mills. He liked this ending, reasoning that the younger detective would still have a life after the events of the film. It was Brad Pitt's argument that Mills has to go uh, shoot the killer in the end. He doesn't do the right thing. He does the thing of passion. Mm. Uh, that convinced everyone that it was Mills who would have to shoot John Doe in the end. I thought, I think it'd be kind of cool if Somerset ended up shooting him, to your point from earlier, like he like finally shows emotion and kills yeah. this shit. Um, I like this way better, but I think both could have worked. Yeah, I think it makes it more personal that uh, Mills kills the guy that yeah. killed his wife. I think that makes and sense. And that's all the foreshadowing of Mills' character throughout the movie is losing control under times of like passionate stuff like that. Yeah, so when he gets emotional, obviously it makes sense. Any changes? What? Do, all right, so let's change categories. Changes, what doesn't work? Anything that didn't work for you in this movie? Uh, no, I, I would say that, and this was kind of my like overarching thing that I found. I think the story is very good, but the writing is a little weird to me, if that makes any sense. I know, obviously, they're written by the same dude. No, 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 it makes like, perfect sense. The broad stroke of the story and where the characters go and what ends up is awesome and i think that's what draws you to it as the uh like as the viewer and that's why this movie is so well loved but i don't know it's just to me just something about i don't know if it's the dialogue or how some things play out or whatnot like the writing just seemed a little strange even though the overarching story is really good no that makes complete sense i've i've seen a lot of movies like that like that are still very good movies. Like I think the town is a phenomenal story, um, but I think yeah. the writing is a little hokey throughout that movie. So I understand what you're saying completely. Um, what would I change? What doesn't work? Not that it doesn't work, but I would love to see this movie with Pacino and Denzel Washington. I yeah, really, I, mean. I, re I really would. And I think Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt are really good in this movie, but just the ability to see literally two of my favorite actors of all time, both in great spots of their career, Pacino yeah. and uh, Denzel. That would be great. And the thing that kills me is the only reason Pacino turned this down was he was filming a movie called City Hall, which is like a below average movie. Oh. Um, how will this film hold up, in your opinion? I think it holds up fine. I do too. I, 25 I mean, it, years later? Yeah, it's it's. there's nothing that's overly outrageous or like 290s about it, you know what I mean? So, no, I, yeah, I think it holds up. I think it holds up really well, and like I said earlier, and I think it's... I think that's part of what, like, a, a good story will hold up. You can forgive other things. You can forgive, uh, you know, certain art of the time, CGI, whatever, but as long as the story is good, it'll hold up. Well, we've kind of Even said that Even hokey dialogue, the... like we... Yeah. yeah, exactly. We said that about the kind of some of the shots in Heat that look horrible, but the story holds up. Um, yeah, I think it holds up fine. 25 years later, it seems like this movie... Uh, wouldn't benefit anything from being made today. No, it's the same I mean, movie. It's, it's the same movie, and like I said, if it's not the greatest thriller, it's in the top three, five conversation, and I, I put it as the best one I've ever seen. Okay, final category, new category, new way of doing things. Shane, tell the people. All right, so we have been, we've changed our scoring system. Uh, we decided that we were kind of giving... Uh, heat and drive both a little emotional viewpoints and we ranked them a lot higher than 
we well that we do now because we've gone through by category by category. So for now, we're breaking them down by ten categories: directing, writing and script, acting, cinematography, set and production design, costume design, hair and makeup, soundtrack and score, visual slash practical slash special effects, cultural significance, Thank and you. entertainment value. Love it. So we're going to rank each one uh, kind of by on a scale of one to 10 in those categories. And then we get our final average. We did this. We redid this for heat and drive both grossly adjusted our scores. Yeah. Tell Uh, everybody what they were. Heat now, according to our average is a 7.25 and drive is a 7.85. We will have a spreadsheet uh, hosted on Google drive. Yep. That you can look up and you'll be able to see all the movies that we review. You'll be able to go back and look at what we gave each category and also, you know, the overall scores as well. Yep. So we'll set that up. That'll come out with this with this episode, which is nice. But um, let's just run it down. So directing, one out of ten, what do you give it? Eight. All right, you got an eight. I'm going to give it an eight as well. The attention that Fincher brings here. He's phenomenal. Everything's great about it. So let me explain this to you. Like, if you get a nine out of me in this rating system, you should like pat yourself on the back. I'm going to be very slow to give out nines and tens just because I think that's reserved. Yes. For so a few another thing for the viewers to know, I gave Drive's score and soundtrack to ten, and you can see that. You can see our scores. You know, if you yeah. check us out, um, Kevin was is very adamant that he will not be giving any tens out. Basically, is what you said. It'd have to be the greatest thing um, I've ever seen. And. I, I, I think that it's deserving, but I don't think I'm as harsh of a critic as you are on the, the 10 being unattainable. I think two movies can have a 10 in a category. I think you're, the way you review it is the 10 is the one and that's the only. I'm like a figure skating judge. Like I can't give a 10 because if I see a 10, then, I, then I'm, I'm, just, yeah, yeah. I'm just baffled because I've already given it out. So, um, but an eight is very respectable. Yes. And uh, I think Fincher does a great job. I think, I think Fincher carries a lot of this movie. I think so you're on something. I'm gonna give I give him the eight. Uh, the next category is writing and script. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, whatever you want. All I know right, what I'm I'll, giving it. All right, I'll go first. Um, so this isn't story, right? This is just writing and script. Are they hand in hand? I think that's up for you to decide. I am going to include story in that category. For that reason, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. If I didn't include story, it would have been a seven. Okay. A seven for seven. Uh, I'm going to give it a six because of like what we said. I think that there's a lot of weird dialogue for me. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, like loop around dialogue like we talked about where they are just trying to give you that. Eureka moment, but they're forcing it. But I love the story. Um, And I think six is is appropriate. See, now you're making me think I should give it a seven because I agree with you. You should should give it what you give it. No, but no, but look, you make a great point. And I meant to tell you this earlier when we talked about it. I think you're right that the first hour of this movie is pretty slow. And the dialogue, there's not much like substantial Mm -hmm. dialogue. 
Yeah, and I think that's why it gets an eight out of the directing from me because he Fincher carries a lot. Can of I that. give it a seven? I got to change it to a seven. You're right. You I'm going to a seven. seven. You can I'm give it a seven. seven. You can do whatever right. you want. All right, I'm going right. to seven. Acting. I love Spacey's performance. I think Brad Pitt is better than you give him credit for in this movie. I think you're being a little harsh on your boy Brad, which I'm shocked by because that's your guy. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. And I was teetering on on six, but because there's just not like... I'm giving it I'm a not, hard step. Yeah, okay. For I'm sure, in, an acting. Because uh, I, I don't think that, you know... I don't think that Pitt and Freeman do anything that blow me away. But like we talked about, uh, that character actor guy we talked about is phenomenal in that two minutes. Gwyneth Paltrow is phenomenal in the diner. Spacey is a nuclear reactor for the last 45 minutes of this movie. So acting as a whole, they get a seven. And if we're giving, and if we're saying the story or the dialogue written wasn't that great and we're still giving the acting a seven, that means they pulled it out of the water a little bit. All right, uh, cinematography. It's going to be up there for me. Uh, it's an eight for me. It's an eight for you. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. I I think it's a six. I think it's just uh, it's just. I know they won the Oscar for best editing, but no, they got nominated. Didn't win. Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, but if we're talking about just pure cinematography, you know, like principal photography and whatnot, no scene like really like took my breath away visually speaking uh there's some cool shots here and there it's cool but you know uh i don't i don't think there's anything that was like wow so six is good i'll tell you why i i I upped it from a seven to an eight for me the swat team like montage uh yeah midway through the film the shot of the long hallway with john doe yeah, the chase sequence, so much going on, and it not being like making you want to puke, and then the shots of the desert or the mountains, whatever that is, along with the 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 rear view mirror yeah. shots. I think this is going to be my harshest category. Yeah, because I think that guy. You know what I mean? Like this is what I care about a lot. I mean, I gave Heat a five. So, and either I think way, this is better. What did I give? What did I give Heat out of curiosity? A six. And I think this is substantially better. You gave it a, yeah, you gave this an okay. eight. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. All right, uh, set and production design. I'm going to give that a six. I agree. Uh, same kind of thing. Doesn't take away anything from the movie, right. but doesn't really add anything to the movie. If it starts to take it away, I think you'll see us get into the five and four category. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, I think we'll stay in the sixes. Because I don't right, think... This it... next category, I'm <laughs> interested to see what... And I'm kind of torn on this category. Costume design, hair, and makeup. I think the makeup's incredible in this movie. Uh, I think the prosthetics are great in this movie. See, I think they're weird. They're almost like two. I do too. I think they're, they're, they're too over the top to try to sell that. But I think they're supposed to be, aren't they? I don't know. I don't know. That's, okay. that's, that's where not, I'm kind of torn. That's where I'm kind of torn. If they're not supposed to be over the top, like I've always perceived it, then I'm going to give it a low score. But <laughs> if they are supposed to be as like in your face creepy as I think they are, uh, I'm going to give it. Well, here's the thing. I think that I'm going to give it a seven. 
That's where I land. Yeah. Because I, I think can... I think it's better than um I think uh, uh, the 6 for me is just like your run of the mill film. 5 and 6 it's just you know, it doesn't take away anything from the movie, but it wasn't done poorly enough that it took, you know, or wasn't done great enough that it added something. I think that there is some things that add there and but it's not yeah. an 8 or a 9. It's just it's a 7. Yeah, no, it's definitely not an 8 or a 9 now that I think about it. But I can't go as low as a 6 because I think it's done uh, subtly enough with the costumes. I like Brad Pitt's whole look. Um, and I think that the kind of over-the-top, like the guy laying in the bed that they've been torturing for a year, I think is supposed yeah. to look like insanely odd. So I'm going to give it a 7. Okay. Uh, soundtrack and score? Hmm. This is tough for me because I think when done, the score is great. I think the soundtrack sucks. Um, and I think when the, the, the score isn't used a lot, it's used in like three parts of the movie. When yeah. it's done, I think it's very good. Um, I'm going to give it a six just because I hate the soundtrack. I hate the soundtrack at the beginning and I hate the soundtrack at the end. Six. Yeah, I'm going just five right down the middle. Yeah. Uh, I respect Soundtrack that. is bleh. And yeah, or it's the not score good. isn't really used that much, and it's not used to convey really anything. Mm-hmm. It's just. But kinda, when it is, I think it's. Yeah. I think it's powerful. Wait, so, hold on. I have a. I have a question. This might change my thing. Is the the music in the library? That's the soundtrack, right? Yes. No, I'll just. I'll just. I'll just stick where okay. I am. I'll just stick where I am. Uh, visual, practical, and special effects. I don't there's think there's not much, too many in this film. No, and when it is done, I think it's decent. Uh, yeah. I think I think the long shot of John Doe being shot looks pretty realistic. But again, it doesn't take anything away from this movie, but it doesn't advance it. So I got to go six. That's what I'm doing too. And I think we're starting to figure out our language of like, all right, if it doesn't take it away, yeah, and, that's where. And if where it, do but you... if it doesn't elevate it, then yeah. Um, cultural significance. <sighs> It's tough. I think the cultural significance of movies, the great ones, have to be nine and tens. And I don't think this one is that. Um, I think it's the greatest thriller of all time. But is it a movie that I say is like the top ten movies you have to see before you kick the bucket? No. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have to give it an eight because I think it is that great of a thriller. I agree. I think it's 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 very entertaining. Anyone I know who sees it enjoys it really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's again the directing, the story, that last act, and people remember it. You know what's in the For box sure. is a quote that people say all the time. And you, know? you can say it's it about anything. It's a pop culture thing. Yeah. yeah. You get, you, get, like you a, get like a package from UPS, like what's yeah. in the box? You get a you get like a Christmas present from one of your friends that you know will get the reference. Yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> so uh, and our final category here is entertainment value. This is ones where I'll give out tens more often than not, I think, or a nine. Uh, for me, I can't give it a nine or a ten because the first two uh, acts of this movie are just not there. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's highly entertaining just for act three. But throughout the entire movie, I don't think it's as entertaining as Drive or Heat is. So I'm going to give it a seven in entertainment value, which I think is a little low, but I, I think okay. I have to go there. Yeah. What did I, I, what did I I'm give? actually, you, you gave Heat a nine. 
Yeah, I think this isn't yeah. as entertaining as Heat. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm on board with myself. Um, I'm going to bump up one here. Okay. I think it's an eight. I Good. think that uh, I think we were very, I was very critical about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but I still very much enjoyed the movie. So the oh, entertainment value is, is up there. You know, like there's, you know, I think there's a lot of movies that I would be very critical of and say, oh, well, this was bad. This wasn't done right. This could have been better. But, hey, I had a lot of fun. So this was an eight for me. The reason I give it a seven is for this. I bet there was a lot of people that watched the first two acts of this movie and turned it off. Because there's yeah. a lot of hard scenes to watch. There's nothing going on. And, like, some are very gross. So you might be like, you know what? I just can't even hang around. If you do hang around till, the, till act three, if you just judge act three by itself, entertainment's a 10 out of 10. That final act is yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah. All right. I'm on board with that. Are you doing it now so we'll know what we gave it? Yep. Ooh, this is exciting. This is like... Uh... Uh, so total individual scores, you're at 7 out of 10. Right I'm on at, the head, 7 out of 10. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's nice. I'm at 6.7. So our cumulative score is 6.85. That's low, dude. Crazy, right? But I think that this is a good way to oh. go through it. See... This is why this system is now messing with my brain, though, because I think <laughs> this is my favorite of the three movies. Well, then you should bump your entertainment value up higher. That's that would be my suggestion. But because I think that that's I think that. So I, I guess I might be misconstruing the the, the the term entertainment. Now, is entertainment? It's how much you enjoyed the movie, I think. Then it's got, yeah, but I. See, I view it as this. Like, if I'm entertained, like, I think, here's an example, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that movie um, Phantom Thread with Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. is a great movie. Yes. But it's not as entertaining as... Yeah, he. but, like, that's the thing. Like, why is it a great movie? Because I think the acting's incredible. Great acting, great directing, great costume design. Yeah, yeah, but like those things would be much higher in category. So when you get down to entertainment value, you don't need to put a big number on it because everything else already lifted the score. And I think I then I think I scored it properly. I don't think this is as entertaining as. And I uh, we kind of talked about this when we were coming up with this system. I like this because it makes us far more critical. Because I yeah. think we could have we could have gone through twenty movies and gave out eight point fives across the board if I you're just doing would've. it off the yeah, top of your head. Probably. Yeah. So this will be interesting to see as we go through all of the little scores that. Can you give out uh, my my three scores now? Again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you gave Heat a seven point four. You gave Drive a seven point six, and you gave Seven a seven. That's wild. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I did it, so I have to stick by it. <laughs> I'm shocked by that, though, because I think Drive is my least favorite, like, oh, rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. I would watch Drive the least amount of times, and I'd watch Seven the most amount of times. Mm. But this isn't based on rewatch. This is based on when we watch it again, and we're like, oh, this is what it is. How are you entertained? Yeah. So what, all right. Are so, you not entertained? <laughs> there you go. So what, did, uh, so what were your three scores? One more time for the people. Uh, I have a 7.1 for Heat. Yep. I have an 8.1 for Drive, and I have a 6.7 for 7. So Drive so all over the map. So Drive is in the lead, then, for movies we've seen. Yes, in terms of someone's individual score and also our overall score. Right. Uh, okay. So uh, this podcast has been brought to you by Shane McHugh Visuals. Shane McHugh Visuals is a full-service freelance video and photo production house that can suit all your visually creative needs. 
Whether you are looking to capture a special event, promote your business, or showcase your property, SMV has you covered. You can find them online at ShaneMcHughVisuals.com or on Instagram at ShaneMcHughVisuals, S-H-A-N-E-M-C-H-U-G-H, Visuals.com, or on Instagram at ShaneMcHughVisuals. Shane uh, was at my wedding, and he also shot the wedding. It was done beautifully. I suggest anybody who is in the market for somebody uh, who does all this type of stuff, call Shane, uh, message Shane, do whatever you got to do. Go visit ShaneMcHughVisuals.com, and you'll be satisfied. Uh, You can find this podcast online and visit our blog at ProcrastinationSports.com. And on Spotify, news from Procrastination Sports and our guy Mulraney, uh, our production delay podcast, Heat and um, uh, Drive, are one and two all time for our uh, Spotify Spotify listeners. Hey, so like how about it? Spotify. Go check we it out on Spotify. appreciate you listening, yeah. Yeah, we love you guys. Shane, you want to tell the people what we're doing next? You gave me a list of movies, and I, and I chose. Uh, yes, we're doing a movie by my favorite. Favorite director, Denis Villeneuve, called Sicario. And we continue our one-word titles. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we're just on a roll here now. Uh, So Sicario will be... Shane and I thought this would become like a podcast we do whenever, but now we're just pumping movies out. So <laughs> we might, we might, we might have this to you guys by the end of the week. Who knows? Because I know knows? Shane owns this movie, so he can watch it at any moment. Mm. Uh, yeah. I oh, and I'll give a shout out to YouTube. I bought seven off of YouTube today because it was four dollars to rent and eight dollars to buy it. So I just bought it, just bought uh, it. Nice. and it was fine watching it on the computer. So if you're looking to uh, check out a movie, do it there. They got like every movie there. Um, all right, so Sicario next time. We'll get this podcast out to you guys as soon as possible. Thanks. Hope you're entertained. Shane and I, honestly, we're not just saying this. We love doing this podcast. We love watching and talking about movies. It's awesome. It's so it's- fun. It, I'm it's really glad to hear that people are listening to. Yeah, it's awesome. And this is what Shane and I's friendship is pretty much all about. Just based on Jim Gaffey. Um, so, Sicario coming up next. Um, hope everybody enjoyed Seven. Hope you get a chance to watch it this weekend. Uh, get ready for Sicario next time. Remember, ProcrastinationSports.com and this podcast on Spotify as well. This has been Episode 3 of Production Delay. We'll be back next time, Episode 4, Sicario. Thanks, everybody. We love you.